First and goal at the two. Just run it in now. John David Booty rolls right. Throws in the back of the end zone. Fred Davis, the tight end of the year in the United States in college football with the catch and the touchdown, USC. Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. This week, our podcast is sponsored by sctickets.com. Need tickets to see the Trojans? Then check out sctickets.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. This week is episode 15 of the Peristyle Podcast, and I want to apologize for skipping a week last week. I was uh, uh, severely under the weather, so we did not do a May 21st show. So our episode 15 will fall on May 28th on Wednesday. And this is our first segment. As always, we're joined by the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing? Did you miss me last week? Hey, you know what? Now, you couldn't tell the real deal, but I want everyone to know that I sent you on secret assignment, okay? Yeah. <laughs> You're on a secret spy case that uh, we don't want to get out, but we've got a lot of information that we'll release on where you were and uh, what you were doing and so on, and we'll do it during the football season, okay? That sounds a lot better than me like being up all night puking, so that's the good stuff, Coach. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, well, we had a bye week. Let's call it a bye week. We did have a bye week. And, and uh, you know, if, you, if anyone out there has questions or concerns, uh, you want to talk to Coach, you want to talk to me, you want us to talk about something here on the podcast, you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's podcast at uscfootball.com. And you can always go to the website, uscfootball.com, go to the message boards and post stuff there. We'll check it out and see what's going on. Uh, Coach, you know, we did take a week off last week. It's kind of an interesting time. Uh, I think May, my, my recruiting writer always kind of teases me that May is kind of like my month off. The one, it seems like the one month of the football season that really there's not much going on. You know, they got the teams taking their finals. People are graduating. The summer workouts haven't started yet. What, was this a kind of time for you and the coaches to, to chill out when you were back when you were coaching football at UNLV? Well, we didn't really chill out. What we did, it gave us an opportunity to do some things that uh, we like to do. We like to go and visit campuses. We like to go out and do spring recruiting and see a lot of the high school people and do a lot of thanking and, and you know, take the weekends off because you don't uh, spring recruit on the weekends. And during football season and spring ball, you really don't have the weekends off. So, you know, you'd come back in town probably on Thursday night and so on or Friday afternoon and and sort of uh, turn in all your stuff and, and then have the whole weekend with your family. It was really barbecue or go do some things or go see your parents and so on. It sort of was a recovery period, a period where you sort of recharge your batteries, yet you're really still working. You're returning uh, you know, phone calls and, and doing the things that are necessary as far as getting ready for uh, a summer vacation and, and uh, telling the, the players and so on what you expect from them and also – it's a very important period of time for eligibility where uh, the uh, athletes are taking their final exams and you've got to make sure they have the proper number of units. And I used to always put each of my position coaches in charge of their own players to make sure they work with 
compliance in the academic department and so on and f- as far as making sure that all their players were properly enrolled in summer school if they had to go to summer school and also count their units to make sure they're making the normal progress progression towards graduation and, and the fall schedule because as the football season comes closer and closer and closer, you, you don't have time to really spend that time. So you use this period of time as far as getting all the academic stuff in place for the coming football season and academic work that needs to be done during the summer. Then at the same time, you're looking at your athletes who need rehab or ones that are coming off of surgery or ones that got hurt in spring practice, and you're having them checked by the trainers or sending them off to the doctors to see if they're making the normal progression and what their pro, you know projected date is as far as when they can be back at 100%. So it seems like a quiet period because it's really uh, not a lot to print about, but it's a lot of work that's necessary in order to have a successful football season because without the academics and without the proper rehab and without the summer workouts and without spring recruiting and evaluation, uh, you really uh, don't have a football program. So you've got you've to recruit them, you've got to keep them, and you've got to keep them healthy. Yeah, I guess I guess for the coaches, I mean, the players, it's kind of, uh, you know, I've talked to a couple of guys while they're doing the offseason. They seem to be having a little bit more fun. Uh, a lot of them do their workouts on their own. But I guess you're right for the coaches. This is still that evaluation period. And we can we can talk about this where Pete Carroll would love to go out and and visit different campuses. And now the head coaches are banned from doing that. Uh, before we get into that real quick, take a, care of a little bit of business. Forgot to mention this at the top of the podcast. The Harvey Hyde segment of the show, an always popular segment, is sponsored by Southern California Tickets. So sctickets.com is their website. You can go to sctickets.com or call 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for concerts, sporting events, going to the theater. You can call southerncaliforniatickets.com at 800-888-7287. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, uh, I want to thank them too for the sponsorship. Yeah, we got to pay the bill, so sorry about that. But um, <laughs> Coach, you know, we mentioned this before on the podcast. Uh, the one of the things that that Pete Carroll really liked to do uh, during this this May evaluation period was go out and then see kids for himself. Now that he's not doing that, uh, do you think he's just kind of going stir crazy in the office? What, what, what do you think Pete Carroll's doing right now? I think it, I think it's a big change for Pete Carroll. I think he loved to go out on the road. I think this was. One of his favorite things he loved to do in coaching. He's very popular. He's got a great personality. Uh, being on a campus makes everyone aware of his, uh, his of his presence. Uh, I think I think a, a school like USC with a popular coach like uh, Pete Carroll really was a positive thing, not just for football, but I think a positive thing for the university as far as going out and motivating young kids that are out there in school, ninth graders, eighth graders, and so on, that see him on campus walking around, talking to teachers, talking to administrators, uh, talking to coaches, being in a locker room or being on a football field at a high school. I mean, just think of the vibes of that. Every single kid that goes home that day says, Mom or Dad, guess who I saw on campus today? Pete Carroll was there. I mean, that is a big plus not only for the football program and recruiting, but for the university in itself. Now, you know, also there's a lot of universities that their head coaches go out and no one really cares that they're there. Uh, but, you know, and, 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 but Pete Carroll is one that's very recognizable. 
uh, friendly, outgoing, waves at you, uh, might even jog on some high school track if he didn't get his workout in. I mean, he's a he's a special breed. He's the, you know, there are coaches out there that are a little bit different, and, and he is. He's a very outgoing individual. He likes to talk to people, not just players, but individuals and shake hands and sign autographs and so on, and that's what you call a great public relation individual, not just a football coach. Now, there are some great football coaches out there, along with Pete Carroll. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not saying he's not a great football coach. But what he has is the combination of all of the above. And there are other great coaches out there that have personalities, too. But his is a very special personality, especially in Southern California, now gaining the same feeling nationally when he's in Michigan. How can he get the Michigan Player of the Year, the Florida Player of the Year, the Arizona Player of the Year? Unless people know who you are and and know about your university and your football program. And he was a great liaison for the university out there in the uh, high school world and athletic world. And and I I think that will, I'm not saying hurt USC, but I think it takes away that great impact that he made out there. Yeah, he did give give his staff and himself an edge because he was such a hard worker out there doing that. And I, I think he had commented on this. I think even Nick Saban might have said something about this, that it kind of the new rule kind of punishes the harder working coaches who are out there, uh, you know, working it, working on the field and, um, you know, around the country going to these different high schools. It was funny. We actually, uh, I met some friends down and I live in Hermosa beach, met some friends down at one of the uh, local watering holes on a Sunday afternoon. And before I got, when, once I arrived, they're like, Oh, you just missed Pete Carroll. So I guess Pete Carroll was hanging out down in Hermosa and then went, I think with his family down to the beach. So he, you see him down there quite a bit. So this is probably one of the rare downtimes he has to get out and enjoy the beach life down here. So it's good for him. I mean, yeah, it sucks that they're not, He's not able to go out on the road, but maybe it'll give him a little more quality time with his family, and hopefully that'll help him out a little bit. I know you could, you can always use a little more quality time with your family when you're coaching football. You can, but don't think he's not just kicking back. He's not kicking back. I'll tell you, he'll be talking to every one of the assistant coaches. What did you think of this kid? Did you go by this high school? Did you do this? Did you do that? Make sure you get by this school. Make sure you check on this kid. So, you know, he's sort of in the tower, you know, like in, in an airport where planes are taking off and landing, he's still at the controls of everything that's going on. He's the air traffic just, control it, man. Yeah. yeah, he just can't get out there. But just you just repeated what I just said, though, Brian. You well, just repeated what I just said. You said you saw him at Hermosa Beach. <laughs> yes. At one of the campgrounds. I'll call it a campground. Okay. okay. One of the campgrounds. And I see how everybody talks about that. Well, that same effect happens when he's on a high school campus. Yeah, no, you're right. He, I, I should have mentioned that too. I mean, these are, there's friends of mine that are all different ages. Uh, you know, some are in their twenties, thirties, forties, and they're all like, "Did you see? We saw Pete Carroll. We saw Pete Carroll." And it's, it, it's funny. I mean, a lot of my friends are, are USC fans, and some of them went there. Some of them just, you know, be, being around me, they just kind of adopted the Trojans. It's still to this day, like when you know, he's a he's like a rock star in LA, and uh, I mean, I think that can only help on the recruiting process. I mean, you'd rather be someone that people know. And then, you know, if a recruit is talking about, you know, oh, I talked to Pete Carroll and, and someone goes, you called Pete Carroll or he called you. I, I think that kind of gives more, you know, uh, it just makes it more like a mystique there that he has. And probably in the recruits minds, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool that me just talking to the coach is, is a big deal to my friends. 
I'll tell you, in Southern California, and I'm talking Southern California, I'm not talking nationally, I would say the two biggest names in athletics, sports, and I'm talking professional too, okay? I would say Pete Carroll and Kobe Bryant. Would you agree with me or not? Yeah, I mean, I would. And, uh, I mean, without a professional football team in L.A., obviously USC's kind of been like that default team. But, there's, there, you know, he's been around long enough where there's really not a bigger name uh, in L.A. I mean, yeah, Kobe Bryant, and especially with the Lakers making that run right now, um, he's, you know, he's the biggest name in sports, in, in L.A. sports. But Pete Carroll's right up there with him. I mean, there, there's really not another one. I mean, like when Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush were here, they kind of were in that that range too to and to be up there just being in the same sentence of a laker crazed town being the same sentence as kobe bryant i mean that's saying something and he really is a rock star in this town and it's it's funny they've, they've kind of changed the whole just landscape of college football by becoming such you know popular sports kind of heroes this isn't like you know you're in omaha nebraska or something and that's like the only game in town they're still, you know, they're bringing it in a in a big professional sports town. They're becoming like the most popular people around. I agree with you, and it's funny you say like a rock star, because you know he likes music. He's into music, Coach Carroll. He really is. Now I don't know exactly what groups he's into, Green Day or whatever, but he's into music, and he's into that. Uh, and I think kids like that because he can talk with them about certain songs, certain certain artists. Uh, certain albums and groups and so on. And, and I think that's very impressive. No. Yeah. So definitely the, uh, he was into music. You know, what's funny about being into music. The, you remember the, uh, the previous head coach to Pete Carroll at, at USC. Can't remember now. Who is that? The, Paul Hackett. <laughs> Paul Hackett. Yes. A it's lot of been so long. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I think you're, I thought a lot of people were joking about that. Um, people, they don't even like to mention his name on the message board. It's kind of funny. They, they call him he who cannot be, who should not be named. Um, <laughs> but uh, he was also really into music. But he was into a lot of the older kind of classic rock stuff and had a. It was kind of well publicized. He had a, uh, a jukebox in his uh, in his house, and it was it was kind of funny. But you're right. Pete Carroll's more into kind of the modern uh, music. A lot of what the kids are listening to, and I think he can relate to the players really well. Because of that, I mean, I think he likes a lot of different kind of things, but he he is into the the more modern stuff enough that uh, it kind of helps him just associate with the players and guys that are a lot younger than he is. No, it does, and I'll tell you what: players evaluate all that. Players, when you go into a home and you talk, they look at you, they evaluate you, they get a feeling of you. Can I spend a lot of time with this guy? Uh, you know, and and you you can't go in acting real stiff. You can't go in acting or dressing or intimidation. You know, there's a lot of intimidation in the way you appear, as far as even the way you're dressed when you go to a home visit. You know, with parents and players and so on, and whether you wear a mustache or a beard, or if you don't have a beard, or if your hair is real short or your hair is real long. Uh, you know, people evaluate people for who they are. Are you a mannequin? Or you're a real human being. And I think that Pete Carroll's able to do that. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to wear a coat and tie to be uh, an impressible person. His clothes are not what people are looking at him as. They are looking as, at him as a real person they want to meet. Yet, you know, he can dress up and look as good as a, anyone. He's a very handsome man. I mean, he looks like a movie star <laughs> whenever he wants to. You know, I'm being honest. Right. And, and and but but that's not Pete Carroll. 
Pete Carroll is one that's Pete Carroll. Unique, great coach, great recruiter, great people person, fun to be around, enthusiastic, more energy than what you could ever bottle. I mean, he's all of the above, and that certainly relates to what type of football programs that are at SC. Yeah. And, you know, Coach, you've, you've spent a lot of time coaching, a lot of time coaching as a head coach. I wanted to kind of get your opinion on what what would you say in your style of coaching was similar to, to the way that Pete Carroll is kind of running his program? And is there anything that you're seeing him doing now that you're like, you know what, that would have been interesting for me to try that with my guys back, you know, back when I was coaching? Well, you know, uh, I, I sort of like the same things that he does. I love recruiting. I love being loose. I love rec- being around the players. I loved all of that. In fact, there's one pl- practice a week. Every Sunday I took the entire team. I practiced the entire team myself. I mean, I thought it was fun being with the players on a Sunday, all by myself with the whole team while the other coaches were working on preparation for the next uh, uh, week because I never had a chance to be around the players that much. And I used to go out and run with them. Every Sunday we'd run. And I used to tell them if I beat anybody, wow, they better watch their scholarship. So we used to have a lot of fun and talk about our week of, uh, of the past and talk about the coming week and so on. Uh, I don't know if coach does that or not, or even if you can do that today on a Sunday, but we used to loosen up on a Sunday and say, I'm going to run the party out of you from last night. <laughs> and it was, I, I assumed if we won, everybody had a good time. Okay. So it was, that's part of it. Uh, I think one thing I, I've liked is his philosophy on conditioning. I think that would be something I would be following now. He's not into, and Coach Carlisle, who's the strength coach, they're not into really the power lifting. They're into more flexibility. They're, they're into related types of exercises that really go towards football, that relate to football. You're not going to be a power lifter when you're playing football. And all your lifts are related around conditioning, movement, quickness, and so on. And if you notice at practice, there are no wind sprints. Now, you go to every practice. Have you ever seen the Trojans line up and run wind sprints? No. No, no I never Not did during that. the season. You, you go to every other college in the country almost, and you see them doing wind sprints. Now, at the end of practice, actually doing wind sprints and, and running the kids, saying, we got to run, we're not in shape. You never see Pete Carroll doing that. You see him do a few striders at the beginning of practice just to loosen up their legs. Striders as a team during stretching. And the reason for this, so you know, is Coach Carlisle and Coach Carroll feel that if the kids are going to know that they have to run gassers or if they have to run 50-40s or whatever your drills are at the end of practice, that they'll pace themselves during practice knowing the conditioning portion is coming and they don't want to fall out or they don't want to, they know this, this terrible thing is a part of practice. So they don't do it. They hustle all during practice. They run everywhere they go during practice. They, they do it, which relates to a game situation. But the game isn't running wind sprints. So they get in shape before practice, spring practice, fall camp, and so on, and practice at a pace where you're not required to do wind sprints. I don't know if you've noticed that or ever put that together, but that's something I would adapt. Yeah, no. That, so you you obviously did wind sprints back in the day because that's what most yes. everybody did. Yeah. 
Um, yes. it, it was funny. I talked to uh, one of my favorite beat writers. We had uh, we had him on, Dan Weber um, from the Press Enterprise. He covers USC. Really cares about the kids, and uh, he really he really writes good stuff. If you guys want to check him out sometime, it's pe.com. Uh, I think we had him on like a month or so ago. Um, he, when he was covering the uh, USC Oklahoma game back in uh, 2005 for the Orange Bowl, uh, they let some of the Oklahoma media into one of the workouts late, I believe. And at the end of the workout, you know, USC didn't run any wind sprints because, like you said, that's not something that they do. And all of the beat writers were kind of commenting to Dan about, well, USC is really cocky. They're not working as hard. You know, Oklahoma's running really hard after practice. And uh, it's funny that, you know, when Pete Carroll, Dan, Dan had some interesting observations about this. You know, Pete Carroll keeps his practices open for the most part. And, and part of the reason is I don't think a lot of people know what they're seeing when they see it. And, and Dan was saying, you know, they don't realize how fast they're going between, there's no downtime in practice. They're running here, there. They're keeping the tempo high the entire practice. So you don't need to be running wind sprints afterwards. You're working that, you know, you're working that out during practice and keeping the pace up and keeping the tempo up. So you don't have to spend, okay, now that we're done with practice, now we need to work out. Um, so I, I think the a lot of the beat writers from Oklahoma didn't quite realize what they were seeing out there. And they just thought, oh, these guys are being lazy because they're not running afterwards. Let me ask you, do you think they believed it after the game? Yeah, I think I think at halftime they said, well, maybe running wind sprints isn't necessary after practice. No, that, that's a, I'm just wondering if they noticed that. At, at halftime, what the score was, or after the game, when when the Oklahoma defensive linemen were talking across the line to the offensive linemen at USC, saying, "Please run the ball at the class, <laughs> at the clock continue." You yeah. think I'm kidding you on that, don't you? No, no, that that definitely happened. I talked to some guys. It's funny yeah. uh, that it was it was that bad, but I mean, it all comes down to it's a different. I mean, it's kind of a different philosophy, and uh, we're going to try to get. Um, Coach Carlisle on the podcast. I was looking for it today. If I don't get a call from him real soon, we'll we'll try to get him on next week because they do have their summer workouts starting uh, next week on Monday, June 2nd. Um, but yeah, just I, I think he has a different philosophy. And I'm sure there's other coaches kind of adopting this. He's not one into, you know, do you ever bench press on the field? No, he's, he's trying to build uh, a lot of strength. And they usually split their workouts in the summer up in half where they're doing half of their workout on the field uh, you're doing a lot of movement and jumping, plyometrics, things like that. And then you go into the weight room. And, and they still do a lot of the typical um, lifts and stuff, but they're not focused on, you know, the, how much can you bench and all. You know, that's just not what they're doing because it's not really helping. You know, that, it's not something you do on the football field. So that's not what they really want to do in the weight room, working out, trying to get ready for the football, for the football season. Ryan, you're exactly right, and there are a lot of universities now that come out and watch spring practice that have adopted that, and Coach Carlisle obviously shares his methods with a lot of universities and strength coaches, and uh, you'll see a lot of people now trying to practice like USC and also having the same type of off-season. A year ago, I think it was a year ago, two years ago, Coach Carlisle was voted the straight coach of the country in collegiate sports. I don't know if you know that. Did you know that? Yes, yes. That was, I think yeah, it was a couple of years and, ago. Yeah. yeah, and when that happens, everybody wants to know, what are they doing? And everybody wants to know, what are they doing because they're winning so much, too? <laughs> so, you know, if, if coaches steal from coaches, okay? That's just part of the deal. 
and uh, a lot of the things that work at SC they want to do. But again, the number one thing comes down to recruiting and players. First of all, if you get the the players that can play, then you want to make sure, as we started earlier, that you keep them, that you motivate them, that you keep them injury free. They work towards their academics and and they grow into being a man. When they come to USC, they're 17 and 18 years old in some cases, some younger. And they're still kids. They're still big bodies, but they're kids. They run fast, but they're kids. And they have to mature into a competitive gladiator. That's the term I use. Because that's really what you're training them to be. Competitive, fight hard, do what you do at the highest of all levels. And when you and when you recruit the correct player, then and you motivate him and do the following things we're talking about, you got a chance. And that's one thing that I've been able to do at USC is get the correct player and then motivate him and coach him. All right. Well, hey, Coach, that's, uh, that's it for today for this segment. We're out of time. Middle of May, nothing much going on. We can still talk about football forever. It's, uh, it's good stuff. We'll... Uh, We'll get back and then talk more about that next week. I think we'll probably try to get into some of the summer workouts and kind of share some of your experiences, but we'll get to that next week. I just wanted to say thank you again to our sponsor, SouthernCaliforniaTickets.com. SCTickets.com is the website, 800-888-7287 for concert, sports, and theater. Call SCTickets.com. Coach, again, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we will talk to you next week. And thank you, Brian. I'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll see you after the break. The Parastyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's one 800 888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham Okay, welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast Our second segment is going to be dominated by USC Recruiting Talk uh, before we get into that, let's take care of a little business. This segment is sponsored by the Law Offices of Bart Ring. So uh, thank you to Bart. This is his second week as a sponsor of uh, the USCFootball.com Parastyle podcast. But if you have any legal problems, you can uh, give Bart Ring a call. He's been a loyal Trojan for 20 years, and uh, you can give him a call at 1-818-587-9299. Or you can go to Bart Ring Law. Dot com. So, yeah, if you have any legal problems, give Bart a call. Uh, hopefully, our, our guest this segment does not have any legal problems. That would be uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez. How are you doing, Gerard? I'm doing pretty well. It's better to be sponsored than to have a sponsor. Uh, oh, okay. That's what they told me in my area. Never mind. <laughs> Excellent. So, no, no legal problems for you, right? No legal problems for me. I'm uh, I'm in the clear okay, so far. As, as far as I know, you know, I mean, you never know. There's warrants and stuff, you know, sometimes that you don't know Outstanding about. warrants. Bench warrants in other states and stuff. Okay, that's cool. That's why you've come out to California. Uh, all right, so we wanted to get into USAFootball.com recruiting. And as I said earlier in the podcast, 
last week I was uh, deathly ill. It was pretty terrible. But Gerard came through and did a recruiting blitz. Uh, so he did an audio a mini podcast just talking about recruiting. We can actually kind of recap some of that. I'll put that up on iTunes because we did not put that up there yet. But I will put that up this week. And uh, so some of the stuff we talk about in this segment might overlap a bit with that. But just kind of wrap up the uh, May evaluation period. It, technically, is, is the May evaluation period now over for USC, Gerard? No, it ends uh, May, uh, the, the end of May. So we've still got a couple more days technically um, to go. But uh, it's, it's a little bit of a misnomer because the actual May evaluation period starts April 15th and then goes to the end of May. So it's, it's a little longer than the month of May, but um, we're wrapping it up. Pretty, it's just the last, the last days of May. Yeah, it, Gerard always teases me because uh, I, I kind of disappear on the, <laughs> on the site for May. <laughs> he gets uh, deathly ill and goes to Russia. I, 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 didn't, I haven't gotten to go to Russia for a couple of years. But uh, I, I, I usually take a vacation or so in May just because there's not that much going on with the team which I'm focused more on on the site, and Gerard focused more on recruiting. But uh, technically, this May, Gerard, it has not been as busy as uh, May's past. Um, I mean, part of the reason, I guess, is because Pete Carroll is not allowed to go out uh, and do evaluations himself anymore. But you think this is a lot slower month of uh, May or May evalu- you know, evaluation period than other, uh, other years? Well, it's been slower in terms of uh, the amount of scholarship offers that have gone out, breaking news with you know certain kids getting offers and and maybe committing. Um, you know, a few years ago, May evaluation period, the coaches would go out and there'd be a lot of guys who would get offers you know during or after their workouts, and you'd have to kind of watch what was going on there. Uh, this year, it's really kind of been a little bit of the opposite. A lot of scholarship offers to this class went out before the May evaluation period. And honestly, maybe that uh, the rule change with the NCAA not allowing head coaches to go out on the road this year kind of has changed that. So I think they maybe the coaching staff watched a little more film before the evaluation period, kind of knew who they wanted to offer off of film, and then kind of went out and to see them in person. And, and, and they really had the scholarships offers already out there, kind of had their foot in the door with those kids. And the, you know, the, the, the visits that the assistant coaches made um, you know, in-state and out-of-state were just kind of really just kind of following up scholarship offers. So, I mean, uh, we talked about in the recruiting blitz last week that, you know, I think last year you had more like 20, 22 scholarship offers go out during the month of May. Uh, this year you only had a dozen uh, or so. So it's been kind of like half as many. And uh, in total, USC is about, about 48 scholarship offers right now. Um, there will be some more coming out. Uh, now they're kind of uh, reconvening coming together, coaching staff, talking, watching a lot of the film that they pick up during the May evaluation process. I mean, a lot of that is going out to these high schools out of state and picking up good game film, not just highlights that the coaches send out uh, to USC, but they're able to get some good game film. And they're talking, you know, about what they saw this month and um, going in now to the camps, and that's going to be a very, very important process to uh, evaluating a lot of these guys that, uh, that they saw that caught their eye during uh, the, May paper, you know, the May period. So this is another example of uh, kind of Pete Carroll recruiting a little bit earlier than he normally would. Like you said, there'd be a lot more offers during this May evaluation period, and they kind of stepped it up and and actually sent out a lot of offers before the May evaluation period started. Is this typically a period where you would get some commitments if coaches would go out and make an offer to a kid on the road somewhere uh, and they would commit? Uh, We didn't really see that this May. Is that that typically something that happens that we didn't get to uh, experience this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a couple of years ago, you, you had uh, the, the the situation where they had Samson Sakachi and they had Aaron Corp. 
Uh, the coaches went out there and saw both those guys in person, and uh, and those you know scholarships came right around that time. Uh, Martin Coleman was a guy that they went, and Pete Carroll came down, I think, with Lane Kiffin, and saw Martin Coleman work out there in person, and then he got an offer, you know, that night the next day. So it was one of those kind of things where you know, I, I think the coaches had a, a better view, a better form to come and talk over what they saw together. And obviously this is the one thing with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, I mean, everything that is USC has that stamp of approval with Pete Carroll. And with him not being able to be out there in person and see these guys for himself, I think it takes a little bit away from that evaluation process and, and kind of how they like to do things. So if, if he's not going to be able to see guys in person, then they might as well watch the film. And if they like a guy enough on film, offer him. And if it's an out-of-state guy, he's probably not going to commit right away anyways. It's not going to be you know one of those deals where he's just going to want to jump on ship. He's going to want to come out and see the, high, uh, the, the, the college as well. So they can offer that guy, get their foot in the door, and kind of work with him, and then you know go out and see him in person. And if it's a guy that, well, you know, on film he looked really good, but in person – have question marks then they can kind of back off that kid too so you know the, there's a lot of you know the scholarship offers nowadays and and whether they're verbal offers or written offers um you know backing up and trying to make sure that these kids are going to get qualified as well i mean that's part of the main evaluation period a lot of times you have to go to the high school and you have to get those transcripts in your hand and see them in person because sometimes the high schools fudge on that uh when when they're, they're sending out grades to the to the colleges and it's like hey we want to offer this kid a scholarship can you fax us over the transcripts and then you get half the transcripts or you, you don't get all the core classes or, or you get, you know, and it's just that kind of thing where getting out there in person on the ground and meeting these kids in person, it's still very big. But when you're talking about going across the country with kids that are going to probably wait the process out, it's not such a bad thing to, to give kids offers early and just kind of get in their ear and just let them know, hey, we're really interested in you. We're serious about you, uh, but we want to see a little more. And that's kind of what the process has become at this point with a lot of schools, not just USC. I mean, look at Florida. Florida's got I don't know how many offers out. Last year they had something like 120 offers out before it was even September. That's just them getting out and talking to kids and getting in their ear and putting Florida in their head. Hey, we got a scholarship offer for you. Does that really mean that, hey, you can commit to this scholarship offer? No, not really. <laughs> and that's where the whole debate about contingency offers come in. And, and there's been a lot of you know talk about that. LSU this past year had two kids that actually wanted to commit to LSU who got offers. And then LSU said they could not commit to those offers. So it's like, well, I have a scholarship offer. How come I can't commit? Well, because of grades or because of this and that. And there's, and like I said, it's a contingency offer. That's becoming the norm now because schools want to get out there. They want to get in the ear of the kids, but they can't necessarily see as much as the, of them as they have in the past. They're just not as accessible because of these new rules. And, you know, it's, it's funny that LSU had that issue when they're one of the schools that kind of wanted this rule with no head coaches and, and, you know, can't go to camps and all these different things that have come along with the NCAA. The SEC has been one of the main uh, conferences behind those new rules. Uh, well, I guess I didn't uh, think that all the way through. And uh, you bring up a really good point, and I didn't, something I didn't even think about is Pete Carroll is such a hands-on coach. You might see less offers go out because he's not out there himself looking at these kids. And, you know, they might not be able – you're not going to see as many commitments. Just if with him not there, you know, his hands in the dough there, then it's, it's probably not going to – it's going to take a little bit longer for this stuff to go through. And maybe they, they take more time coming back, looking at film – and then going out some other time and giving out the offers. But that, that you did bring up a very good point with that. Um, just kind of give an update on the class right now. I believe there's about 10 scholarships uh, left. 
And uh, just want what kind of um, what positions do you think uh, that that Pete Carroll's focused on? Uh, defensive line, cornerback, or or where do you think most of these rides are going to uh, take off for? About nine, ten scholarships open still. Um, depends on the attrition rate, and you know you're going to have guys that may become academic casualties. You never know who's going to jump early to the NFL. That you know obviously changes it. Um, the two positions at this point are really defensive. Um, the defensive line and the cornerback position specifically are really the two positions that have questions that there's going to be some numbers there that need to be recruited that I don't know if it's clear who's going to be the guys at those positions. I mean, it's really kind of a defensive class from this point on. I mean, they've got their commitments. Um, they've got 10 commitments. At this point, it really looks like the majority of offers and, and, and new commitments are going to be on the defensive side of the ball. It's kind of like defense and who's going to be the third receiver. <laughs> That's kind of what the questions are right now. You know, who's the third receiver? Who's that big receiver that they really, I think, are looking for to complement a guy like Randall Carroll or complement, uh, you know, uh, Devon Floyd, too, the two slot receivers. They want to get that big that big X, that big flanker type that can come in there. It can be an Osbury. It can be a Patrick Turner, Mike Williams, uh, Dwayne Jarrett, et cetera. So outside that, you're looking at the defensive side of the ball, and it's, it's really defensive line. You know, is it going to be three? Is it going to be four guys? Cornerback, uh, is it going to be two or three guys? Uh, do they go after a third safety? Do they go after a fourth linebacker? Those are kind of the questions. Uh, with defensive line, it's an interesting position because uh, you have some really good uh, options at this point right, right now. You know, it's a pretty deep year um, overall for the guys that USC has on their board. Um, it's a year where you've got some guys that are – sort of sleepers, kind of some local kids that could be really, really good players. And I think this is where the camp, um, the camp evaluations come in, and they're really big. Uh, first of all, you've got Eddie Knuckles, who's a six foot two, 300-pound defensive tackle from San Marcos, uh, Mission Hills High School in San Diego. Just, uh, I mean, you don't see many guys that big on the West Coast that are just ready-made defensive tackles. Now, he's got to get his grades up, and he's got to pick up some, some credits and, and make sure that he's okay in that area. But this is a guy who played fullback at seven touchdowns last year. Wow. Um, and he's, you know, 6'2", 300 pounds. He's really, like I say, in the SEC, you see these guys growing trees. And in Southern California, you don't see many of these guys. He could be a guy that goes to the camp, the lineman camp, or end up at the Rising Stars camp and really kind of blow people away. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, this is a guy's a household name. You know, he needs to be in the Rivals 100 type thing. So we'll see how it kind of pans out with him. He, was a, guy guy that we're, he was a guy we were expecting to see at the USC Nike camp and didn't show up. Is that right? Right, right. He showed up at the Nike Combine, and he ran an okay time of four. I think it was a 5.44 was his 40 time, which is an electronic 40 time. At 300 pounds, it's not so bad. You're not looking at a guy who really knows how to run right. Um, technically, he's probably not sound. So, eh, you know, not a great time. But when you're looking at a defensive tackle, you really want to see what he does in that really five-yard five area. You know, how does he battle? How does he use his hands? Uh, does he have good leverage? Does he got good power in his butt? Does he get guys off? Um, you know, his blocks and, and his rip techniques. And there's a lot of other things you're looking at. You're not looking at a guy who's going to really run a 40 that's fast. So there's still some, some intrigue about him. Um, equally intriguing and interesting as a, a prospect at, at the defensive end spot is Kevin Green. Um, Kevin Green is a guy that we saw last year at the lineman camp um, and came, and that was his first camp at a football camp. He'd not played football uh, to that point. He was really a basketball player, big-time basketball star in San, uh, San Francisco Sacred Heart uh, Cathedral High School, which is kind of a small private high school up there um, in, in San Francisco. 
And he came out, and he just looks the part. I mean, we saw him early, and it was just one of those guys that stood out that we're watching going, man, you know, this kid's raw, but he's an interesting-looking player. Well, this year, uh, he, you know, this past year, his junior season was his first year playing football. He had 17 sacks in his first year playing football. Wow. 6'3", 200, 230 pounds, probably going to be a weak-side defensive end. Don't know if he has the agility to play a linebacker um, at the higher levels of football, like at a USC or um, an Oregon or, you know, kind of the top programs in the Pac-10. But as a defensive end, the guy's got a lot of speed. He's got a lot of rod ability. Um, you know, his, his arms are really long, big hands. He just has that look to him. And he's going to be an intriguing guy. So it's one of those guys that could come in, just blow guys away at the camp, and then all of a sudden it's like, how do we fit him into the defensive line class? So you got Eddie Knuckles. You've got him. There's another yeah, he's a guy. Kevin's a guy that does not have an offer yet, and he he isn't really he's not ranked yet by Rivals.com. I'm sure that'll change at some point, but he's one of the kind of prospects that we talk about a lot that that you don't not a lot of people know about him. If you follow USCFootball.com, you've written about him a lot, but a lot of people on a national level don't know him. But his name will start getting in there if he goes to some of those camps and starts like kicking butt. Yeah, I mean he. He's, he's probably 10 times more popular now after going to the Nike camp at Palo Alto than he was, you know, you know, the three weeks before that. So he had a good showing at the Palo Alto Nike camp uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and you get, you, he's really, it's still raw though. And that's the thing. It's like, you can see a guy like this in ladder drills and you look at his feet and you're going, ah, he's a little, little uncoordinated, but he, again, he's a basketball player and he's a really long, lanky kid. You know, he's not, He's clearly not anywhere close to where he could be. And, you know, I kind of look at him and I say, well, athletically, he could be kind of the Sam Montgomery of the West Coast. Sam Montgomery is a kid that USC's on from South Carolina who's a great-looking player, is a great-looking weak side, Leo, defensive end, but he's in South Carolina. And you just kind of wonder, you know, (laughs) what kind of shot do you have a kid from South Carolina who's obviously at this point pretty close with the Clemson coaching staff. On the West Coast, here's a kid who's raw, who you can you can look at and maybe you just don't think as highly of because he's from San Francisco and that's not an area that's just producing a bunch of big time kids you know in comparison to the southeast but Kevin Green is definitely going to be a guy we have to look at and we have to take into account because athletically he's got he's got the measurables it's just a matter of is he a real football player does he have the instincts can he come in and can he just play football okay you can have all the athleticism but are you a football player that's the question about Kevin Green at this point um, and then you go and you have another kid who's similar to Kevin Green um, in that he's really got some great measurables. There's a kid named Keenan Graham out of Las Vegas who's about 6'3", 210 pounds. He's built a tad more like a linebacker than Green is. He's not quite as lanky, but there's a kid who ran a 4.59 Spark 40 at one of the Nike Combines. Um, so that's an electronic 40. This guy's running at 6'3", uh, two, uh, 210 pounds. 4.59 is pretty good. He's got some great measurables. And, and that's kind of a guy who's... He's, I say he's a sleeper under the radar. I don't like to say sleeper, but under the radar. But he's, you know, just got an offer from UCLA. He's probably got, you know, 12 offers at this point. Most of them are from schools, you know, in the in the Mountain West and whatnot. But, you know, he's got a, a Wisconsin, a Michigan offer. Um, I think uh, Virginia Tech is now kind of looking at him. He's originally from Maryland. Um, so, you know, that's another guy that could come in, and, and you just don't know how that's going to stir up the pot there with the defensive line recruiting. Um, and then, like I said, with quarterbacks, it's pretty wide open. Um, USC's recruiting uh, some big-time guys uh, nationally. They always do. They always go back east, and they'll go into Florida. They'll go into the southeast and, and try to grab a guy. Drake Kirkpatrick, 6'2", 180-pound uh, corner from, uh, from Gadsden City, Alabama, big-time guy, 
big-time basketball player, um, spectacular athlete, but he's from Alabama, and Alabama's a really hard place to you know pluck guys out of. Uh, you got Brandon McGee, who's actually a dual-threat quarterback, who we saw at the uh, San Antonio National Junior Combine, and a guy who ran really good times. I think it was like a four-five-six. He ran on a real slow turf. Um, talked about USC, you know, way before he even got a scholarship offer. He's definitely intrigued. He says he's got his official visit set up for USC uh, for the for the Ohio State game. So that's a kid that's you know obviously interested. Uh, it may come down to USC and Ohio State. Some people believe, um, but those are national guys. You never know kind of how many eggs you want to put in those baskets if you're USC. Locally, you got to look at some guys and see who you really like. And there's a long list right now of guys who could play cornerback, who may play other positions, but at a camp situation, you're going to put them at cornerback and see what they can do athletically. Um, you've got Torn Harris, who's from uh, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, who ran a 4-5 flat spark uh, 40 at the Nike Combine, 5'11", 175 pounds. That's a kid who, who looks like somebody that USC would want to recruit. He's supposed to be coming down to one of the camps. That's an intriguing guy. You never know what he's going to come and bring you know, to the table at a camp. Um, James Johnson's a kid uh, from San Diego. And uh, this is a guy who had like 80 receptions as a junior, was an all-state pick uh, from San Diego. Really, a lot of teams kind of think he's better on the defensive side of the ball. He can end up being a free safety or can end up being a corner. He's about six foot, 180. Um, another guy that, you know, you never know how he's going to stack up when you bring him into a camp situation and you let him play straight up corner. Um, Brandon Sermons is the brother of Rodney Sermons, who played at USC uh, a while back. Yeah, and that was he's a, while a kid back. from Diamond Ranch High School. And you remember Rodney Sermons, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was a, that was a while ago. Yeah, from Bishop Vermont. Well, his brother plays at uh, Diamond Ranch High School. He's a good six foot, 180 pounds. Uh, ran a four seven flat at one of the combines. You know, it's not a five flat, or a four five flat, but still, if a guy's 180 pounds and he's six foot, you got to watch him and, and, and give him a look. And he could end up being a guy that could steal, uh, you know, steal, steal a scholarship offer. Uh, Gary Walker's a kid who uh, was a, a Rialto transfer who went to uh, just transferred over to Redlands East Valley High School. Another six foot, 175 pound guy, long, lean, really fast, really, really just. Uh, he, he really looks the part of a guy that you you know could play corner, maybe free safety. Um, and he's another guy who's who, actually we saw him at the San Bernardino County Combine. He played a lot of receiver there, but he wants to be recruited as a corner or, or maybe a free safety. He's going to be a guy that you got to get in the camp and you got to look at. Um, Asahan uh, Arabar is a guy that's got a bunch of scholarship offers from Upland High School. Uh, he's the teammate of Josh Nunez, who's obviously you know a, a big-time scholarship quarterback who just got a scholarship from Florida. A lot of schools after him. Well, Asahan is the the cornerback at that high school. A lot of people are really intrigued with him. Really smart kid, really disciplined kid, technically really sound, has good instincts. He's not real tall. He's about five nine and a half, five ten, um, but. Uh, Still a guy that, you know, at a camp situation, who knows what he does. And, and finally, you've got Ricky Marray, who won the Nike Camp MVP at receiver. He's a kid who's 5'11", 175 pounds. I don't think he's a USC-type receiver, but maybe he's a guy that could play corner. He's got that kind of height and that kind of size where, you know, he may be more valuable prospect at the cornerback position. He's a guy that you could get into camp and kind of evaluate and look at. So it's a long list of cornerbacks right now that locally – there could be a guy that jumps out of that group that USC just feels like they have to offer. It might be a guy like last year, Drew McAllister, who 
played quarterback, was just all-state quarterback at Monta Vista High School in Danville, and then he comes down to the camp and performs for the first time uh, exclusively at safety, and Pete Carroll just fell in love with him. He just loved his aggressiveness. He was a guy that was athletic. I mean, he showed everything, but he'd been playing quarterback, or, excuse me, quarterback for most of his career, so you really didn't get to see him play cornerback or, or defensive back in one-on-one situations until he gets down to the camp. A lot of that's true with some of these guys here. I mean, these guys are playing other positions. Um, the cornerback position is unique in recruiting because a lot of the time in high school you want your best players to play other positions. You want them to play quarterback, running back, even put them at that linebacker safety. Corner is it's, it's kind of a position that you're out there on an island, and if you're playing in a league or a, a district where you're not throwing the ball a lot, it's kind of useless to put your best, you know, your best athlete out at cornerback. So you want to put them somewhere else. Yeah, so that, therefore, that might be a follow up to my. I mean, that might be an answer to the question I was going to follow up with. I mean, this obviously you, you listed a long list of of cornerbacks there. This just seemed to be a position. And by the way, for the folks at home, Gerard was not reading that off. Of, I mean, he can do that off the top of his head. He can go through. It's pretty amazing what he does. He just be able to. Oh, how many, give me the top ten quarterbacks on USC's uh, board. He'll just start rattling off where they're from, all kinds of stuff about them. So that's that's the magic of Gerard Martinez. So just a little props. <laughs> that's the, the magic. The fairy yeah. dust. I, I think they might think you have like some piece of paper in front of you that you're just like reading no off. No teleprompter of. for me. No. No. He just uh, <laughs> that is from the hip, which is amazing. Without a breath, even that's good stuff. Um, but. This always seems to be a, a position that, and it, it baffles me because Pete Carroll played this position, it always seems to be the one that they just don't get enough guys at. And maybe it's because of that. You don't get, there's more, I guess it's more of a project or there's more speculation involved when you recruit cornerbacks because you don't have, there's not that many TJ Bryants out there who were like born to play cornerback. Uh, I mean, there's lots of players out there that were born to play quarterback, um, but is that why you think that typically over the years, even though USC's had number one, number two, number three classes in the country, they've always seemed to, to fall a little short here at the defensive back, especially the cornerback position? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because it's one of those positions by region that at face value doesn't always seem to be very strong in California, but that is a little bit about exposure. It's a little bit about national hype. I mean, the guys in the Southeast – get a lot of pub, and Florida obviously has done very well with cornerbacks, specifically that position where it's like, wow, if you want to go get the best cornerbacks, go down to the Deion Sanders state. But when you look at the NFL numbers, California has actually produced more defensive backs um, than any other state when it comes to you know the NFL, uh, just the alumni that they've had. California is actually very strong. It just seems that you get a lot of guys like Anton Kaysan who are kind of, they're not spectacular athletes, or they just don't jump out at you on film um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're evaluating guys. And they kind of slide on the radar, and they end up at a school like Arizona, and then they pop into the NFL, and it's like, wow, USC made a real big mistake. Well, you know what? I think some of it has to do with, one, like I said, they're not always the most spectacular athletes. Sometimes they're just very good players, and they're very smart, and as they get coached up, they begin to show their potential longer in their careers. They're not guys that, you know, just athletically from face value, you watch them and they're fast and they have everything you want right off the bat. They're guys that do take a little more time to develop. But the other thing is you have to consider here on the West Coast, specifically in California, this is a state that uses the West Coast offense and passing offense is better than anywhere else in the country. Maybe the only other state that I've seen, and I'm talking about experience here, I've seen some great high school football. I started doing high school football stuff before I even got into recruiting. 
Ohio is probably the only other state that really has the same level of comp, you know complex offenses and and really just high end coaching when it comes to pass offenses, uh, which is ironic. I mean, everybody thinks Ohio; they probably think the high school football out there is three yards in a pile of dust. But the truth is, they have some great pass offenses out there. Well, out here in the West Coast, the same is similar, and you have a little more talent. So I think you do get a guy who's playing defensive back. <laughs> he can be look. He can look bad on film. I mean, you, he may be in a league where he's got to play against schools like Los Alamitos, you know, which can pass the ball, and you're going to have quarterbacks that are legitimate. Well, in the Southeast, we talk about cornerbacks and we talk about you know all the great defensive backs they have. We don't talk about the great quarterbacks they have in that state. It's not a state where you're going to go down there and look for quarterbacks. It's, that's just kind of the way it goes. So I think maybe some of it, sometimes the coaches out here don't necessarily take that into account, and these guys fall through the cracks, and then they end up still getting to the NFL, uh, like Chris McAllister and, like I said, Anton Kaysen. Those two guys that come to mind that weren't necessarily big-time recruits coming out of college, and, and all of a sudden, bang, you know, they end up in the NFL. So it is, a, it is a, a position where you have a lot more projection involved. You're not going to always see guys on film that are playing cornerback in high school um, that are going to end up playing cornerback in college. You do have to look, you kind of have to look at that and, and see some guys. And especially now, I think it's happening even nationwide more more and more, the spread offense is taking uh, athletes away from the defense in general, not just quarterback, but like in general. You see a lot of safeties now that are playing quarterback in high school because they're just the best athletes on the team. And, you know, you want to have that spread option look. You got to have your fastest guy, whether you can throw the ball or not. You want to have your best athlete touching the ball every down, a la Vince Young. So it's taking those guys away from the defense. So, you, so now these college coaches are having to look tape and they're going, Okay, we're looking at a quarterback, and now we got to look at this quarterback and figure out if he can play cornerback or if he can play safety. So that's definitely changed the game as well. Okay, well, uh, Gerard, hey, great stuff. I'm, unfortunately, we're out of time for this segment. We uh, appreciate. I wanted to touch on the uh, ten of Troy that just went up on USCFootball.com today. So if you guys get a chance, go over to USCFootball.com, check out the ten of Troy. We talk. It's like uh, top ten guys that are most talked about on USC's recording recruiting board. Um, we ended up talking about a couple of those guys. Brandon McGee, the cornerback, is one. And uh, Kevin Green was another one. But you can check that out. That just came out today. And uh, thanks again to our sponsor, uh, the Law Offices of Bart Ring. Uh, Bart's a cool guy. He's been helping Trojans for the last 20 years. So if you uh, need some legal help, you can give him a call, 818-587-9299, or go to bartringlaw.com. So, Gerard, make sure you write that down just in case uh, you get in a little trouble. And thanks for sharing all your recruiting insights today. Okie dokie. I appreciate it. And uh, you have a good week. Get healthy, Ryan. We need you. I'm healthy. And uh, we'll be back with the uh, uh, roundup, uh, the USC campus crawl after the break. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Trojan fans, have legal problems or questions only an attorney can answer? Contact the law offices of Bart Ring. Bart is a proud Trojan alum who has been taking care of the legal needs of the USC family, its alumni, and fans for over 20 years. Like the Trojans under Pete Carroll, Bart and his team achieve successful results for their clients by preparation and outworking the opposition. Call Bart at 818-587-9299 or go to bartringlaw.com to see if he can help you with your legal issues. Don't forget to mention the Peristyle Podcast for a free consultation. It's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. 
Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. This is our third and final segment of the week, and we are going to finish things off with a campus crawl, talking about some of the other sports besides football going on around USC. Uh, before we do that, just a quick thank you to both of our sponsors, Southern California Tickets and the Law Offices of Bart Ring. Let's get down to it quickly for basketball. Things are slowing down a bit with the OJ Mayo situation. Uh, we talked about that significantly two weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, I guess the latest uh, happenings on that front are that Lewis Johnson, the whistleblower who came out with all these allegations, is now going to be writing a book. So there's definitely some uh, motivation for him to come out and say some of the things he said to get publicity for his book. So that's a little questionable there. And O.J. Mayo did cut ties uh, with his agent, uh, BDA. So we'll see what happens there. But the investigation should be going on for several weeks or even months. We'll see what happens there. Uh, and we'll give you more of that once information becomes available. The uh, big news going on was the USC women's golf team won the NCAA championship. So they played uh, at New Mexico. And at the, the funny part was they fought off crosstown rival UCLA to win the championship. Uh, they went into the final round with a three-stroke lead, and they held it on all day. I think it was about six hours of play. And uh, beat out UCLA and came out on top. Uh, they won the championship a few years ago, if you remember. And uh, their coach, uh, Andrea Gaston, ended up being coach of the year. So congratulations to the women of Troy. That's USC's 86th championship, third best of all universities. Uh, the men have a shot. They're ranked number one, and they start play today on Wednesday uh, at the University of Purdue in Indiana. They'll be playing for their NCAA championship. So ranked number one, we'll see what happens with them, and uh, we'll be following that on uscfootball.com. So check it out. Uh, also, on the track and field front, uh, the women of Troy and the men of Troy both had kind of a disappointing uh, Pac-10 championship at Arizona State. The men ended up finished seventh, they, uh, and the women ended up finishing fourth. There was a lot of injuries, and some people couldn't play, uh, couldn't participate. So that was kind of a disappointing finish. The men had been in the top four, I think, every year since 1991. So that was kind of disappointing for them to finish uh, seventh, but there was a lot of injuries there. We'll have to see. Uh, coming up for them, both of them, uh, the women and the men, will be participating in the NCAA West Regional at Cal State Northridge. And the men have won there three times in a row. So we'll see if uh, they can get healthy and kind of make a run here. Uh, people have talked about both of them having a chance to win the uh, national championship, but they're going to have to be healthy and perform at a high level if they want to try to do that. So that's our podcast for this week. Uh, episode 15 is another good one. It was in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Uh, stay tuned and uh, check us out next week. We'll be back with another Peristyle podcast. Thank you. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.